Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Our Father, once again we acknowledge you as all that matters. Jesus, you remain at the center. And we're just aligned. We align with your goodness, your greatness, and your might. And we thank you for another opportunity to come into your presence. To not only be cloaked, but also to be soaked by the essence of you. Out of you, we are nothing. But with you, we have everything. Out of you, we are no. We are low. But with you, we can attain the highest of heights. Out of you, out of you, we can achieve nothing. But with you, all things are possible. Out of you, our dream remains figments of our imagination. But with you, what you have dropped in our hearts, we can see them. Thank you, Lord, for fulfillment of prophecy right before our eyes. Father, I pray for everyone. May prophecy be fulfilled in their lives. In the name of Jesus, what they've seen in the Word and what you've told a sacred place, may, may they see and touch and handle in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask as we teach your Word this morning, as we receive your Word this morning, I ask that revelation knowledge will flow. Father, we ask that I will be taken totally out of the way and let your Spirit move amongst your people and be a blessing to your people. Empowering them with the grace of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And the believing church said, amen. Hallelujah. You can have your seats in God's presence. Hallelujah. We start our teaching this morning as we look into God's word from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14 to 17. The unforced rhythms of grace. John chapter 1 and verse 14 to 17. All right, we have it on the screen. I'd like us to please read together as we read God's word this morning. One, two, ready and read. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15. And cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred above me, for he was before me. Verse 16. Grace and for grace. And verse 17. For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Today we're talking about this subject that if you are a believer or you have been in church before or you have believing friends, you'll have heard about it before. If not for anything, at least that thing that you share before you exit a particular place. Let's chorus it. Want to ready go? The grace of our Lord. Come on, let's go. One, two, ready, and go. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Peace. <laughs> you will have heard that word grace before. I'm sure you know, have a, an idea of what grace is. So this morning or this month, leading up or these few weeks leading up to the next conference, we'll be going a little deeper, diving deeper into setting an, an unfolding, like an onion bulb, unfolding layers and layers and layers of what grace is. So that at the end of today or at the end of this season, you have a better understanding of what grace is and practice the requirements for grace and be able to communicate to somebody else and act accordingly to what grace is. 
act according to what grace or grace requires. Let's first start with what grace is not. Grace, what grace is not. You see, a few years ago, my wife and I had just gotten married and we stumbled upon this amazing series, well acted, high budget. I'm sure when I say this, some of you will be familiar with what it's about. And there was a very common, I think what they call it, parlance. Very common phrase or words that were used to describe those who were, do, who were in authority or who were simply lords of the various houses. And they just greet them. They can abuse them and say, your grace, you must be strong, my grace. I, 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 is, give me access to you, my grace. Give me my grace. And then I was wondering, it didn't take long before in the house, I began to address my wife. I said, please, babe, I'm hungry, your grace. <laughs> grace is not what is reserved for those in royalty alone. They are not the only one that is your grace. Come and say, I am graced. I can't hear you. Come and say, I am graced. So feel free to be addressed as your grace. There's another one that I've learned during this election period. Who wants to guess? Ah, it's not even honorable. Your Excellency. I celebrate you, Your Excellency. Look at somebody and say, Your Excellency. You look excellent. You look graced. Come on, Professor, you look oiled. You look oily. You are oiled by grace. There's something about you. And this week, you are going to encounter grace in this service that will propel you for great things. Come on, say, Your Excellency. You are graced. You are graced. You are graced. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it's not reserved for those in royalty, for those of us who have royal blood. <laughs> it's not only reserved for us. You are royalty too, for your chosen generation. Hallelujah. A royal priesthood. You are not priesthood of the Dipia in uh, Okiga Clamp or whatever it is. You are a royal priesthood. Your priesthood has royalty encoded in it. And that royalty is more real. Hallelujah. More real than any other royalty. Glory to God. In fact, you are seated in heavenly places. Somebody sit well, sit well, sit well. Sit well, sit well like somebody seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Grace is not the way you walk. You know, some people, they walk with grace. Some people are so straight, so structured. Everything is put together. They, their form and their fashion was without... It was before there was nothing without form and void. In fact, they were the templates God used to create men and women. Hallelujah. Everything just arranged. Ah, uh ah. -uh. Thank God that's not grace. I remember in school, there was this beauty pageant in one of the halls in the University of Lagos then. And then, you know, of course, they used to train the beauty ladies. Did I just say beauty ladies? You know what I'm talking about. Beautiful, beautiful. Put your hands together for yourself. And then they just, and then they told them that, okay, when you walk in, you're supposed to face the crowd and wave. And then there was this beauty lady of the Lord. She came in and she was doing this. That's not grace. That's not what they taught you. You failed the class. It's not the way you walk. It's not the way you walk. Thank God it's not the way we walk. Or else some of us will have been disqualified. Some of us will have been disqualified. Grace is not the way you talk either. You know, there are some people that you hear them talk. And you just want to listen to whatever it is, whether it's nonsense or truth, false you know, they just speak with such eloquence of speech, with such gait, and with such choice words that are forceful for you to believe. And you see, I was even trying to speak like them. It's not the way you talk. In fact, thank God Paul said, my teaching and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
It's not just in the way you talk. I like this one. It's not the name of your ex-girlfriend. It's not just somebody's name. Glory is another name. That is, grace is not just the name of someone. There's deeper. Come on, say there's deeper. There's deeper. Let's define grace according to scripture. Number one. Grace is God's willingness to use his power and his resources on man's behalf. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace. You see, there are certain people that we encounter in certain times of our lives that you have gone to for help. I don't know why I'm remembering things today, but thank God the memory of the righteous is blessed. I have supernatural recollection. My colleagues and I in, on campus then, we used to make fun of this lecturer. When you want to do IT, you go and meet him and say, ah, um, yes, sir, please, I want to do my IT in so and so. He said, ah, Rimilola, Rimilola, Rimilola. That is all you hear. It means, see me tomorrow. See me tomorrow. Till today, see me tomorrow. See me tomorrow. See me tomorrow. He must have been willing, but maybe he was not able. But thank God for what Bible says here, and God is able. Come and say, God is able. He's able. He has ability. He's not short of ability to do you good. And God is able to make all grace. In other words, in his bag of graces, there's no lack in there. He does not have grace for success at work. But there's grace. But there's no grace for success at home. He has all graces. He does not have grace for success at home. And is lacking in grace for you to be stand in the center of the calling of God for your life. All. Come on, say all. Come on, say total package. Total package. God is able to make all grace. Not only to make all grace, He's able to make it to you in abundance more than you need. More than you need. God does not do it small, small. He does it big, big. Big, big. I serve a very big God. Always by my side, a very big by my side. He's bigger than what it is that is facing you. A very big God is always by my side. A very big God by my side, by my side. That you always having all sufficiency. He gives you so much grace that whenever you need any, you always have access to supplies. You may always have an abundance for every good work. Every good work. He's willing and he's able to use his resources on your behalf. Number two, God's disposition. Disposition talks about a positioning. I can imagine God like the prodigal son's father. He was positioned. Where's my son? He's asking, where's the new? Where are you? His disposition. His disposition. And tendency. We see people that have tendencies to do evil. We see people that have tendencies to do good. We, have, we see people that have tendencies to act in certain ways. We see people that have tendencies to talk in certain ways and to do certain things. But God's tendency is to do you good. Why? Because he's good. He's a good God. Look at what happened in the book of Genesis chapter 1. In fact, let's read the book of Mark. Mark, first of all, Mark chapter 10 and verse 18. Quickly. Let's see what Jesus said about God. Then somebody came to meet with Jesus. And they told him, they called him good master. And then his response was this. Why callest me good? For there is none good but God. God is good. Hallelujah. Somebody say, say God is good. God is good. He's a good God. Why do you call me good? For no one is good but God. 
No wonder. Bible says how God, the good God, anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. There's no, there's no surprise that he went about doing good. Because when a good God anoints you, you do good. Hallelujah. With the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good. Effortlessly doing good. Ah. Listen, let me tell you this. You have inside of you deposits for effortless performance. In other words, appraisal may be coming very soon. But you don't need to be afraid of appraisal. Inside of you is an engine powering effortless performance and effortless good work. Effortless good work. But we're going to see that you have to align. Align. And partner. And collaborate with effortless good. Effortless good work. Glory be to God. In Genesis chapter 1, we see several verses. And God said, and it was good. And God said, and it was good. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. When he created man, and God said, and God saw, and it was good. Come on, say, I'm good. Because God created me. A good God created you. I'm good. Good. Let's see Genesis 24 and verse 12. Because we need to remind ourselves. We can't really understand grace if we're not reminded of the goodness of the graceful God. And then he said, Oh Lord God of my master Abraham. Abraham has sent his, uh, his servant or the steward of his house, Eliezer, to go get him a wife. Some people wish that was still the method today. Hallelujah. But glory be to God. To go get his son a wife. And he said, this was the, the servant's prayer. Oh Lord God of my master Abraham. Please give me good success. The, new king, the old King James says, good success this day. And show kindness to my master Abraham. He can show, give good success because he's good. He's packaged with goodness. He's packaged, loaded with goodness. And he's willing to give it to you. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. This is how God can turn a bad situation around. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. But as for you, you meant it against me for evil. Joseph was speaking to his brothers. But see his feedback. He said, but God meant it for good. Oh, you may be going through a challenge right now. <laughs> and you thought that it was somebody that orchestrated the fact that you did not get promoted. Or you thought it was somebody that cut short your proposal. That was supposed to be your next level. In fact, you have calculated the tithe that you're not going to keep for the next conference. You thought the person meant it for evil, but I come to announce to you this morning that God meant it for good. Hallelujah. And if originally God's good, there will be a restoration in the name of Jesus. There's a catching up. They sent him and sold him. They priced him. Imagine that. Have they priced you before? And he came out of that experience saying, you meant it for evil. But the Father meant it for good. To save many people alive. Let's see how God himself described himself. Exodus 34 and verse 6. How did God describe himself? <laughs> uh, Exodus 34 and verse 6. Moses had gone up to the mountain. And then he was said, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. I want to know your ways. This was Moses' prayer. I want to touch your grace so I can leave your days. I want to see you. And the Lord passed before him. God first, out of his goodness, he first hid him in the cleft of the rock and hand blocked it. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Imagine, ah, this God is too powerful. So kings, this is where kings copied it from. <laughs> As he was passing, there was a proclamation. And the Bible says, And the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. Goodness. <laughs> abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions of sin. 
visiting iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third generation, but keeping mercy for thousands of generations. The mercy far outweighs the judgment. Far outweighs the judgment. Far outweighs the judgment. That is goodness and truth in manifestation. Goodness and truth. Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Not the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? Has he promised it and will he not make it good? Will he not make it good? If it's not good, he's not done. You can't eat hard rice. If it's not good, it's not done. You wait until you see good. Come and say, I see good. I'd like you to make this confession after me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I acknowledge. Oh, I wish I'll hear an army this morning. In the name of Jesus, I acknowledge the goodness of God. God is good and he's good to me. Oh, I thought you shouted. Say, God is good and he's good to me. He may be good to somebody else, but I'm next in line for the goodness of God. It's good and it's good to me. It's good to me. Third definition. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Unearned, undeserved towards all of mankind. No one left behind. All of mankind. Rain does not discriminate. Now, ah, this one, you sinned yesterday. No rain for you. Rain does not discriminate. The sun does not do selective shining. We all have access to solar power. God do not say, you, you sinned yesterday. Your solar panel will not work. No. Bible says he reigns over the rich and the poor. The good and evil. He's good to all. He's just waiting for those that are going to access his goodness and his kindness and his tender mercies. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 to 7. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 to 7. God is good. God is good. God is good to me. God is good to me. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding. I told you, God is a big God. He does not do it small. He does not do riches, $2 billion. Ah, what is that? He does not do riches, $200 billion. What is that? Exceeding. You can't count it. God who is rich in mercy because of his great love where which he has loved us. Verse 5. Next verse. Even when we're dead in trespasses, he made us alive together. In other words, those who are still sinners. The provision for redemption, the provision for salvation was made even before they were born into their sin. Does that make sense? It's a good God. While we're dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace, ye have been saved. Next verse, please. By grace. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. His kindness is not limited to believers. It's to all. Come on, say it's for all. But then we read a scripture at the beginning of the service. John chapter 1 and verse 14 to 17. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory as the first begotten of the Son. Full of grace and truth. For John did bear witness of him. That he, was the, that he that is coming after me is greater than I am. For he was before I am. And then the next verse now says, Of his fullness we have received grace for grace. Fullness of what? We have to define it. You cannot just tell me fullness. If you see a tank, it is full of either crude oil, or it's full of water, or it's full of debris, or it's full of several things. Of his fullness. How do we know? The previous verse says it. He said he was full of grace and truth. And in God goes back to saying, verse 16, that of his fullness we have received grace for grace. In other words, 
He's so full of the banquets and the container of grace. And you go there and you make a withdrawal of this grace and this grace and this grace and this grace. You make a withdrawal because he's full. He's full. And your withdrawal does not deplete the bank. <laughs> There's no debit allowed in this bank. No debit. It's ever full. Ever full. Ever full. Ever full of the goodness of God. Of the grace of God towards you. Ever full. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Of his fullness we have received grace for grace. Verse 17 now describes something to us. He says, for the law came by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus. It's therefore important for us to note that there were dispensations. Dispensation is just a big word. For regime. At least you understand that. Obasanjo's regime. If you're a Nigerian. Yaradwa's. Good luck's regime. Buhari's. Uh, why don't you want to loud it? Buhari's is not finished though. We have eight more days. Hopefully no extension. Come and say amen. Somebody's not excited about the next one. Just remain blessed. So two dispensations. It says the law came by Moses and grace and truth came by Jesus. In other words, we way that God dealt with the people of Israel and indeed the world. There were two dispensations highlighted. Theologians tell us that there are several dispensations. Some say it's seven. Some say it's 32. But we are literally looking at scripture here. John chapter 1 verse 17. The law, grace and truth. So let's look at the characteristics of these two dispensations. Number one, one was founded based on obedience to rules and laws. Based on obedience to rules and laws. Obedience to rules and to laws. And the next one is based on believing what Jesus has finished. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 to 18. Let's read this. Matthew 5. Verse 17 to 18. Let's see what Jesus said about the law. About the law. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Verse 18. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle by no means pass from the law until it is all fulfilled. If we look at that, it makes us feel like Maybe the law is actually still in operation in how God deals with man. But let's see John chapter 19 and verse 30. And then we'll go to Romans 10 and verse 4. John 19 and verse 30. Jesus hung on that cross. <laughs> and when he had received sour wine, he said, it. I'd like us to cross that one, two, ready and go. Oh, it sounds like you're alive this morning. Come on, shout it out. It is finished. The law was finished. He said that the law will not go unfulfilled until it is finished. And thank God he finished it. Romans 10 and verse 4. Romans 10 and verse 4. Romans chapter 10 and verse 4. We're going to go through scriptures. See what it says. It says, for Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words... The law reigned on, from Moses up until Christ. And that was his bus stop. And then from Christ, there was now a righteousness based on believing. Based on faith. Let's see. Number two. One produces self-righteousness, which is earned. The next one produces God's kind of righteousness. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Here he was talking about the righteousness, the self-righteousness that is based on the obedience to those laws. Like we're going to see in the next verse, Galatians 3 and verse 10. He talked about how 
the law could actually not be fulfilled. Galatians 3 and verse 10. Let's look at it. The law could not be fulfilled because it was so great. Do you know how many laws there were? There was absolutely no way for man to obey and be in obedience to every single law. Only Jesus could come and fulfill it. For as many as of the works of the law are under the cross, for it is written, Cost is everyone who does not continue in all. Come on, say in all. In all. In other words, you cannot say, ah, I did not commit adultery. But if you lied, you had broken all of the law to do them. Let's see the next verse, verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just shall live by faith. In other words, in self-righteousness, you thought you could fulfill the law and meet all the requirements and obey everything, line upon line, precept upon precept. But because of your human flesh, you could not. And you had to earn it. But in the grace, all you have to do is just to receive it by faith. You receive what Jesus finished. He finished it at that bus stop. So what you are doing is you are jumping the queue of the law. And you are coming to can't stand beside Jesus. In fact, Bible says we are seated in him in heavenly places. Seated with him, hallelujah. You jump the queue and you live a life of God's kind of righteousness. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's received by faith. Romans 7, 7. The law introduced us to sin. Which he walked in Christ. Romans 7 and verse 7. The law introduced us to sin. We didn't know that there was anything called thou shalt not until the law told us. What then shall we say? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I will not have known sin except through the law. For I will not have known covetousness until the law said, you shall not covet. But what does grace introduce us to? Romans chapter 5, verse 20 to 21. And we're going to begin to go into some details right now. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace, come on, say much more. I can hear you say much more. So in this dispensation, it's not based on what we do. It's based on what we receive. And based on what you have received, you can go ahead and do. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign. You see, there was a reigning of sin, but then there's the reigning of grace through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's run through some facts. What did grace do? Number one, grace saved us. Ephesians 2 and verse 5. For you are saved by grace through faith. Yet, this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Let's see Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Titus 2 and verse 13. What did grace do? Grace saved us. Titus 2 and verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and that glorious appearing of great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's see verse 11 and verse 12. Verse 11. Who gave himself all that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. No, this is verse 14. This is verse 11. Beautiful. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Come on, say all men. No discrimination. Come on, say all men. Come on, say I'm included. Grace brought salvation to me. He brought it to me. Hallelujah. Number two, grace displayed God's kindness. Ephesians 2 and verse 7. It displayed God's kindness. The Bible says, God who is rich in mercy. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Come and say, God is kind to me. God is kind to me. Hallelujah. Grace strengthens us in challenges. Paul teaching God. Paul went to Jesus and asked that this, this messenger of Satan may be taken away. And Jesus responded to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. Grace is available during challenges. Oh, there will be challenges that you may face as a person, as a human. Especially in the country in which we live. <laughs> Somebody will go wake up and say, 
I want to sell the house. Please, you have to move out. Challenge. Sometimes it's network providers. You just put hot shower mat to break your fast. And then you're about to pay. You've already taken the first bite. And GTP just decides, sorry, GTP. <laughs> I, may, I may be put on the board in some years to come. So I must not be disdaining them right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then that bank just decides, no, thou shalt not eat shawarma today. Like that tree that responded to Jesus. No, and Jesus had to. And the Bible says, and Jesus answered and said to the fig tree. That means the fig tree told him something. He said, you shall not eat figs today. Glory to God. Challenges. But there's grace. A continuous supply of grace. And you can depend on grace. And you can rest on grace. And you can lean on grace. Because grace strengthens us in challenges. Romans 6 and verse 1 to 2. Grace empowers us to live above sin. Listen. The fact that Jesus has fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law. He does not give us a license to sin. Romans 6 and verse 1 and 2. For what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The previous verse says, where sin abounded, grace even did much more abound. So that the, the, the checkmate for grace to come was for sin to be made available. No! The mindset is this. Shall we who have died to sin? You are actually a dead man when it comes to sin. Dead men can't steal. Dead men can't sleep with other people's wives, whether they are present wives or future wives. Dead men cannot steal from others. Dead men cannot defraud. Dead men cannot take what does not belong to them. Dead men cannot steal mandates. Dead men cannot do all that. They can't because they're dead. But according to scripture, you are actually dead to sin. Because when Jesus, when, when you were dead to sin and he made you alive, that means that you hung on the cross with him. You went to the tomb with him. You went to hell with him. You paid the cry, he paid the price with his blood there. And you were raised with him. And you are seated with him in heavenly places. So you're actually dead. Dead men can sin. So instead of that, grace empowers us to live above sin. I like the scripture in the book of Titus. It says, and, and grace teaches us to say no. Ah, sometimes the pressure is real. It's real. Everybody's doing it. And you seem like the fool. You seem like the one that is not awake. You seem like the one that is not hungry. You seem like the one that is not, that is not wise. According to the wisdom of the man, which shall come to naught. That wisdom is going to go far. It's going to, it, it has a limit. It's going to come to naught. Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Imagine the devil knew that he was killing his death. He was killing his loss. He was activating what was going to take away all the authority he had gathered for 4,000 years. Of course, he would have left Jesus. Maybe Jesus would still be alive. But had they known, they would not have crucified that wisdom, the pressure, but grace can teach you to say no. Teaching us that denying all ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, this man is tempting me. Now increase the temptation. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. There's somewhere I'm going to. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. Very important. Very, very important. Media, can you help me? All right. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. I read. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Listen, let me tell you this. Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes power available. If you want to live a life of power, you make power available in the place of prayer. If you are noticing absence of power, maybe you have used up what you made available in your yesterday. 
you have to make fresh one available. Hallelujah. And you're not really the one actually making it available because all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Jesus said, what you are doing in the place of prayer is partnering and channeling the power that is available into your life. And grace helps us to pray. Sometimes you feel weak in the place of prayer. It's just whispers that you can. Shalabato. Kemo. Kemo. Reto. Enimanyoso. Koloboro. Rodobono. Kote semoko. Okomene. Kobalago. Belekitako. Orede barakatos. Jeketeke. Enemanda. Rotobono. Kete tisakato. Kato. But if you stay there. Come on. Tell someone. Say stay there. I can't hear you. Say stay there. Stay there, stay there, stay there. Rekene matoto. Elebarote sumana kototo. Ojimene komana belekita ta kotone monoka balakatoko. Egi mana kototi seketo kabalakoto. Omene barote gola gayate nekito balakono mono velekete. Ezi maindo kaiko katone na konana nide. Inene gola barote na mono velega balaga ne balakoto. Origa legote ne egalagote manago velega tagata. Come on, can you join me this morning? Retono nika lagato mena kita balako. Orega tonya sumana mato bela komana kaita. Aino mene marote velaga. Bible says out of my belly will flow rivers of living water, living water, water that is alive, injecting life first to my prayer life, and then from that prayer closet, I can take that power into my world and begin to legislate and to make the power of God to invade wherever it is that I've been called to. You stay there, you stay there. You stay there until you feel empowered. And the beauty is you can do it anywhere. Sometimes you maybe you did not prepare before entering into the boardroom. Or into before they made the presentation. Or before you signed up for the interview. And you just, ah! I don't feel like I'm oiled for this thing. Ah, I miss the days of masks. <laughs> Ah, shakene They will just be seeing the marks going up and down. We are generating something. You change the atmosphere around you with the spirit of grace and supplication. It helps us to pray. You alone are worthy of my highest praise and all my love you alone are worthy of my God asked me to pray for someone here. You've experienced recently, very recently, a heart-wrenching disappointment. You had made projections. You had made calculations. You had built images. And you had built castles already. And this, this disappointment has caused a, a dark cloud of of rejection where it seems as though God was trying to bring in restoration already but by your demino and what was all over you there was a repelling force in the name of Jesus first I pray for you that your heart be comforted in the name of Jesus I pray that the comforting ministry of the Holy Spirit will seep through your heart and your joy will be restored in the name of Jesus. And I de declare over that cloud, in the name of Jesus, let there be a, an outbreak of light. 
Let there be an outbreak of light. There is a new there is a new dawn. There is a new dawn in the name of Jesus Christ. He's a mighty one. Hallelujah. I hope somebody really received that. I hope you received that. Ephesians 4 and verse 7 to 8, we see how we're empowered for a unique assignment. And we're going to go into that as we go on the subsequent teachings. We're empowered for unique assignments. Assignments that are carefully curated for you. Jesus is the one that is full of grace and truth. But then we see expressions like Peter and Paul saying, like the grace that was manifest in Peter towards the Jews is manifested in me towards the Gentiles. Sometimes there are several pockets of this grand scheme that God hands over to us. And then of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. For you know the grace, no, 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. Come on, say I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I may not look like it, Tell your neighbor, don't look at my shoes. The wealth is coming. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And I begin to close now. Galatians 2 and verse 21. Anybody learned something this morning? Galatians 2 and verse 21. Oh, Galatians 2 and verse 21. Okay. Let's see this. Bible says, let your eyes look straight on before you. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness come through the Lord, then Christ died in vain. In other words, you can receive grace not in, in, it's not producing. Paul said, I received the grace, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. It was the grace of God. In other words, Jesus has finished his work. He has made this grace available to you and I. Our role is to partner with his grace. It's to partner with what has been done. It's to partner with what has been finished. It's to partner with what has been executed. And partnering, there are several aspects to it. And we're going to run through certain things that God showed me this morning. Are you ready? Number one, change your posture. James chapter 4 and verse 16. Bible says, God gives grace to the... God resists the proud. Ah, I don't like that scripture. Do you know what it means for God to resist you? Government can resist you. Even though that one, they will show you again. Men may resist you. Organizations may resist you. You may resist yourself. But if the God of all the earth resists you, ah, change your posture. Tell somebody beside you, change your posture. But he gives grace to the humble. That means when you approach him, you come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There is a posture to receive in a, a fresh dose and a fresh release of grace. He says, come boldly. Come boldly because you know it's available. But you come humbly because you're ready to receive. Change your posture. There is a posture to receive grace. Number two, stay conscious of it. Johnson, please come. Please come with what I gave you. Are you coming with it? Quickly, quickly. Stay conscious of it. I want to show you an image that I hope stays with you this week and indeed up until the next conference. Come on, say, stay conscious of it. I can't hear you say, stay conscious of it. This is perfume. Not only am I spraying perfume on you, there's a new fragrance that will come upon a young man. 
a new fragrance that will come upon you. A new fragrance that will come upon you. A force of attraction for goodness. A force of attraction for favor. A force of attraction for good. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Before he came, he was probably in a particular state. But before he goes back, it seems as though, like the Bible says, it says, put on love. He's about to put something on. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. He has to stay conscious of it. If he walks here before like this, if he's conscious of it, I smell good. He entered into a place and there's a fragrance. He entered into a place and there's something new that happens to him. He entered into a place and, oh, hallelujah. Pause there. He enters and people perceive something and react towards him. That's how it is with grace, people of God. You stay conscious of the grace that you have received. Do you know what grace is? Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your conscious. Oh, forever, I am chained by your love. Your love, oh, in the presence of your majesty. Come on, let's take that cross one more time. Majesty, majesty. your house in the morning, wear a fresh consciousness of grace. Now you're not going at this alone. You're not going at life alone. You are going having worn something. You're going having put something on. Indeed, you have new fragrance in your life in the name of Jesus. Let's put our hands together for him. conscious of it. Number three, believe in your heart and declare it of your mouth. Speak the favor of God. Release into your tomorrow and your today and into your now the favor of God. That's how you wear it actually. You declare, I'm going out. I'm favored of God. The favor of God, the force of attraction is upon me, causing men to do me good. You see, pastor said something a few years ago and he said he looks actually looks out that's how conscious he is of grace he looks out for a season ah nobody has done me good nobody has said take nobody has said nobody has ah wait to what's going on here and then he begins to put it on and put it on and put it on and like and like seed time and harvest <laughs> you saw the word of god and the words of favor and you begin to reap the harvest of favor. That's how it works. You sow it. Second Peter 3 and verse 18. It says, growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes the gap is a knowledge of this good God. Some of us accept that yes, he's good. But have you accepted that he's good to you? Have you come to that realization that the same way God is in a position, is in a disposition to receive sinners into the kingdom, He's also disposed to just do you good and be favorable unto you. What did Abraham do to warrant that cattle, silver, and gold will be transferred to him from Pharaoh? What did he do? In fact, he lied. Or he described another relationship with, with Sarah. Why? God is a good God. 
He's good and kind. He's good and kind to you. Oh, hallelujah. You grow in grace by giving. Paul encouraged the church. He said, I encourage even 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. Let's see. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7. He said, I know for you are bound in everything. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, and your love for us. See that you are bound in this grace also. Which grace? The grace of the Macedonian church. Where a church can become a generous bank of sowing and reaping and giving. Where nobody says, according to Acts chapter 4, nobody says, this is my own. Mm -mm. Not in this house. What you are saying is, how can I be of service? How can I give? How can I be a blessing? The Bible says, no man that sees this man, the world, a man in the world, no man that sees a friend and has this world good and shuts up his bowels of compassion. He's not saying he shuts up hand. First thing that opens must be bowels of compassion. Have you asked us, okay, you don't have the cash, but is there something you can do? Do you have a friend that may be able to help? Do you have a friend that can link him up to so-and-so and so and beyond the need, you get him a job? Bowels of compassion. Everybody has the bowels. Bible says, according to the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You have bowels of compassion. But you can shut it up. Or you can let it flow. Come and say, I let it flow. I'd like to encourage you, sit time and have is real. Sow seeds of favor. Yeah, amen. Sow seeds of favor. Women of God, sow seeds of favor. Be favorable to people. You have a colleague at work. And you know you're supposed to send that report on time because that report is going to generate another report. And the colleague is begging you. But because the colleague did not do something well for you last week. Ah. You know, that's a seed. An opening there. Because you're going to read the report one day to present to the MD by 12. May you have enough seed in the ground. So seeds of favor. You're a businessman. You work with regulatory authorities. You're just passing by. The gates man. Oh, you're saying, okay, we're done. Okay, we're done. We're done what? So seeds of favor. Let's think about how much are they paying him? They're probably paying him 50, 60K. But yeah, they are there to collect the contract of 10 million. Just allocate 2,000 for him to buy lunch. So that his belly can be filled. And you will see the way he will greet you the next time. The other people, oh guy is not around. Oh guy, there's, there's space for you. A businessman. Simple wisdom. You don't ignore as you are passing by. They are seeing you. Very soon they will start reacting. Oh God, please. No. no. And finally, we grow in grace by thanksgiving. Acknowledging what he has done. 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 And they got not the land by their sword, nor did their arms save them. But it was your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance because you favored them. What he has done is because he favored you. What you have today is because he favored you. What you are holding today is because he favored you. What is in your pocket or in your bank account or in your mind? Maybe it's because you have mind that is working. It's because he has favored you. Let's take one minute this morning to thank him. Father, we come before you today as a church for a new cloak of grace that changes transforms, sets free, lifts and elevates, that opens eyes, that causes a force of attraction for not only your own good, but the good of men. Father, I ask that everyone who is connected to this house, cloak them afresh with your goodness, your grace, your kindness, in the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. Anybody learn anything? Come on, make some noise to the Lord. Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.